Hello, and welcome to Conscious Hoofbeat. My name is Dr. Pamela Maynard, and I am passionate about teaching lifestyle horsewomen inner health practices through self-care, personal development, and mindfulness, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. When you learn to show up for yourself, be present and grounded, your horse will show up for you. And that's when you deepen the connection with your horse and create an authentic relationship. Okay, listeners, I'm changing it up for you again for the second episode in my Riding After 40 series. And today I want to welcome Lola Michelin. Lola is the founder and director of the Northwest School of Animal Massage and owner of the Horse World Connect. So, Thank you for joining us today, Lola, and welcome. Thank you, Pamela. I'm so happy to be here. Um, so I want to share with everybody real quick that the northwest part where you're at with your school is <laughs> actually on Bashan Island, right? Bashan Island, yeah. We're out uh, in the Puget Sound. Just within eye shot of uh, downtown Seattle, but kind of a, a world away at the same time. That's so cool. I, I love the Northwest and I've been up there many times and never made it over to your island. So when this COVID's over, I will, to come. <laughs> I will have to come. I would love to see the school. Wonderful. Um, so I'm just going to uh, jump right in with our writing after 40 uh, question prompts and feel Great. free to just uh, take it and run and elaborate wherever you <laughs> want to. Um, I'm curious, like, can you, can we start off and give us a little background about your life with horses? Oh, sure. Gosh, um, it's a bit of a mashup. I think I've done a little bit of everything over the years, uh, which is probably uh, a, a point of pride for a city girl because I actually grew up in Detroit. Not a lot of horses other than mounted police and things like that, but I spent all my summers um, on a ranch up in Canada and my uncle uh, in Canada had horses. So that was kind of my childhood exposure to horses. And I really looked forward to my summers so that I could just go and immerse myself in the horse world. And then um, over the years, I got involved in a variety of different horse related activities. I started out uh, riding Western. So uh, in Canada, I rode pack horses and did gaming. And it wasn't until college that I got the dressage bug and I rode uh, dressage and equitation uh, through my college years. And after college, I moved down to Florida and then I started into the hunter jumper world. And that's kind of where I found my passion. That's um, my greatest joy is jumping. And now I fox hunt as well as um, compete in the hunter jumpers. But my life took a bit of a turn about nine years ago when we did move the campus out here to Vashon Island. I wasn't really in the show circles anymore. I uh, retired my show horse from competition due to a, um, he was diagnosed with PSSM type two. So uh, that kind of changed a lot of my 
course experiences. And when we moved to the island, I opened an equine retirement and rehabilitation facility here on our campus. And that's how I spend time with horses now as most of the horses here are either older or they're retired due to injuries or illness. And so I just care for them. It's a very different way of being with the horses for me than, than most of my life, but it's really enjoyable. I love watching them age and helping them age and just enjoying the time with them without necessarily riding uh, as much or as earnestly, I guess, as I once did. I think that's beautiful. And do you think that has anything to do with now that you're over 40, things have changed up or is that just how the stars aligned for you in your, your horse world? Well, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm still just as competitive as ever. And uh, I still have competitive goals, but it is nice. And I do think as I have aged, I've had some opportunity to um, use that wisdom, I guess, in my relationship with horses and find lots of ways to enjoy my horses, not just through my riding. Uh, I think in some ways it's like I went back to my childhood rather than like getting older and, and changing the way I rode. It's almost as if as I get older, I'm with horses more like I was when I was a kid. Mm, that's, that's, I, I've never thought of it that way. That's a very good point. Um, so is there anything that you haven't done? Because that's a lot. <laughs> did, we, did, did we leave anything out before we move on? Oh, I'm sure a few things, but maybe that's best left unsaid. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Then maybe that's for a different podcast. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, um, is, I mean, obviously we could say you're passionate about horses, right? Yeah. And is, is there a way that you can describe that passion? Well, I think... I think the, the thing I'm most passionate about is there's, there's nothing that moves me more than a horse in motion. Like just, I love the insides of the horse. I love the outsides of the horse, but just seeing a horse in motion, whether I'm part of that or I'm just an observer really just elevates me in a way that few other things do. So um, yeah, I, th I think they're, they're just majestic and they call me to my highest self, I think. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I know. I know what you're mean. About, like, I forgive. It was a month or two ago. I had um, six draft horses show up oh. in my backyard. Big black draft horses. I mean, they were like yearlings and two year olds, and they were oh ginormous. And they had gotten out from a neighbor quite a ways away, actually. And they got to live in my back pasture for a week till he could come get them. And I wow. have no interest in draft horses. Right. And I'm just like, it was just, just like filled my soul every morning when I went out to do my chores mm -hmm. to see these six beautiful black horses, like moving out in the pasture. It was just, Oh, wow. It's just, yeah. Like almost undescribable in a sense. Right. Yeah. That's a very special treat that you probably don't get very often. <laughs> Right. And I was really sad to see them go, even though I was like, I really have no need to have six draft horses in my backyard. <laughs> but I, I just enjoyed watching them move. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have one in my backyard and that's enough. <laughs> right. One, one draft horse. Right. Um, anyhow, I just had to, I just thought of that when you were sharing your uh, passion for horses. 
Uh, how would you define your relationship with your horses? Like when you think of this, what comes to your mind or stands out to you? Well, I, I feel like I was called to serve the horse. Uh, most of all, I mean, I feel called to serve all animals in my life, but the horses in particular. And there's something about when I am working with horses compared to anything else I've done in my life, that's where I feel most confident and like rewarded by the things the horses give back. Even if it's just that moment of trust if, or it's that moment of um, playfulness, you know, it just feels more rewarding when it's coming from a horse than, than in other aspects of my life. That's beautiful. Gosh, we're going to get some good stuff from you today. I can feel it already. I'm like, I can't even top that. Um, you already shared a little bit like when you first fell in love with horses and mm -hmm. um, kind of your first memory when you got to what, go to your uncles or whatever. So can, do you want to elaborate on that a little more? Like how old were yeah. you when you got your first horse? Well, uh, I, when I got my first horse, I was actually in my 20s, but my first experience with horses started when I was about five. My uncle, as I mentioned, had um, a couple of horses up in Canada, my uncle Johnny, and um, he, he had this little pony and his, my cousin, uh, Deborah, had a, a mare. And when we would go up there, it was my sister and I would be so excited because we got to be with the horses and my sister would get to go trail riding with Deborah and her horse, but I would not get to go because I was too young to ride alone. And my uncle Johnny would take me out and let me, you know, brush the pony and he'd spend some time with me and sit me on the pony and, and we'd walk around. And uh, one time I went up to visit with my family and um, my sister was out trail riding the adults were all busy doing whatever they were doing and I snuck out and I went out into Nipper's paddock and I got the brushes out and I brushed them and I walked them over the fence and I got on and I went riding. <laughs> and uh, I think I got grounded after that for a while, but it was worth it. <laughs> it was so worth it, right? Yeah. And the rest is history, right? And the rest like is history. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that was my first experience jumping, too, because he got going and uh, he saw the other horses out in the field. My sister and my cousin were headed back from their trail ride and he took off to, to go to them and he jumped the drainage ditch on the way to catch up with them. And that was my first time jumping. I was like, oh, I love this. I'm going to do this oh, for I, the rest of my life. <laughs> I love that. And you didn't come off, did you? No, no. Uh, like, no, you know, as a kid, you just stick. Like you're, you're in complete agreement with the horse. So you just follow and go. And I guess that's what I mean about like coming, coming back to the rider you were when you were a kid, you didn't even think about, or I didn't even think about how to ride. I just rode, you know, just let the horse lead the way. Yeah. And those ponies, right? Those little girls, like, aren't they worth their weight in gold? Oh and my gosh. Yeah, like yeah. every little girl probably owes it to a pony or the black stallion for falling in <laughs> love with horses. Right. Like yeah. I'm, I remember on my 30th birthday, my dad calls me to wish me a happy birthday. And he's like, well, 
I guess you're not outgrowing those horses, are you? <laughs> growing. <laughs> like what? I don't know why you thought I would outgrow them, but I'm like, you know, it's your fault. You bought me my first pony when I was eight and the entire Black Stallion series. So, right. I, you know, like, I don't know why you would do that if you wanted me to outgrow them, but um, I love pony stories. That was awesome. I yeah. could totally see him jumping the, the ditch. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't get to do the ponies like from a show standpoint. Like when I got into Hunter Jumpers and started showing, I was already, you know, older. And uh, so I think I was always a little bit envious of the kids that got to show the Hunter ponies. But I think, well, at least I had my pony experience. <laughs> experience. Exactly. That's awesome. So, what exactly do horses mean to you? Well, everything. Uh, I think, I think to me, they, they, um, kind of embody choice and knowing that there's always choices and we have both an opportunity and a responsibility to make choices. Cause I think horses are always making choices and I like watching them kind of figure out their environment and, and how they make choices and the fact that they have that most of them anyway, have that tremendous self-preservation. Uh, so I, I think in life, sometimes we feel like maybe we don't have choices or we are forced to make a certain choice when we'd maybe make another. And, and I don't think horses do that. I think they always make the choice that's right for them. And I love that about them. So I try to bring that into my life, I think. Nice. like that take a moment to like take that in I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this um was there ever a time in your life when you didn't ride or have horses yes um there were several years I mean not any long period of time and I think no matter where I ended up because I moved around a lot when I was uh after college and I didn't necessarily have horses of my own at that time. So I was usually leasing a horse or riding, catch riding for people or working at the track so that I could be around horses. So I always found a way to, to have a horse in my life in some way, but there were stretches of time when I didn't have my own horse or I wasn't in a relationship with a horse. I remember at one point I was traveling a lot and when I would travel to a new town, one of the first things I would do is look for like sale ads of horses and go to barns and try sale horses. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I never thought of that. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, well, I, I'm sure they didn't appreciate it because I wasn't buying. I was just trying. Well, they didn't um, know that. <laughs> well, and I will say I, I had lots of horse contacts and I would often say, I would often call people and say, oh my God, I just tried this incredible horse here, you know, at such and such a farm. And so I think I did get some horses sold for people uh, mm -hmm. over that time, but it was, that was not the purpose. I was solely doing it for selfish reasons, but <laughs> I did get to I, ride some really cool horses. I love it. That's awesome. But when, but when you weren't in relationship with like your own horse, like, you know, was it different? You know, how, it was, how was that different compared to having your own? I mean, even though you always found a way to ride and have horses in your life, it's different when they're your own and in your backyard, right? Absolutely. I think when I didn't have a horse that I was 
in a close relationship with, there was a longing uh, that I felt that, you know, kind of gnaws at you that you just, you know, you're going to have another horse. Like, it's just a matter of time. You're, lo you're always looking for when the time is right and when the horse comes your way. So I, I feel like when you're not in, in that way, in that relationship, it's, I feel a bit untethered maybe. Um, and I always know that there's a horse coming. So I have learned over time, maybe when I was younger, maybe I didn't recognize this, but I have over time recognized that a horse always comes into my life at the time it's needed. And that's happened to me four or five times. And um, it's not something where I'm seeking that horse or it's even the horse that I think I need, but they just show up. So I know I'm never going to be without one. They're going to find me and that's given me some comfort. But I think there were times in my life when I was wanting a horse really bad and it just wasn't happening that I felt that longing um, to be in that relationship again. I can so relate to that. I am. Um, yeah. And I, and I'm one of those people like I, I, I get kind of um, labeled the crazy cat lady, which I embrace, <laughs> but it's like, I don't have all these cats because I go out looking for them. Like they literally show up on my doorstep mm -hmm. and I'm not going to not feed them. If I had 20 dogs show up at my doorstep, I would have 20 dogs and, you know, and keep them and feed them. And it's a little right. different with horses. Cause well, I was saying they don't show up on your doorstep except those six draft horses. I was going to say <laughs> six of them showed up the other day. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I have been, had been trying to breed my mare and no baby for a couple mm -hmm. years. And I think I, I had it in one of my podcasts here last month about how my heart horse just showed up. I was not looking for a cutting bread quarter horse. I've never owned a quarter horse, you know, but it just, they show up. Right. And yeah. I'm like, you just know, you just know in your heart and your soul and your deepest dark, it's innards and you just they're your horses, right? Yeah, exactly. I have um, in my tack room, I have a picture on the wall and it has three horses, um, three white horses, and they're all different horses. They look identical. Um, and every decade of my life, in my 20s, in my 30s, and in my 40s, a white horse showed up in my life. And the crazy thing is that um, they were either like, the first one was my trainer's ex Grand Prix horse. She brought him out of retirement for me to do my, the medal finals on, uh, in my twenties. And he was, you know, just older, great, big, beautiful white horse, kind of a tough character. Um, but I just fell in love with them. And then when I moved from the East coast, I, um, moved to Pennsylvania and a woman came to me with her daughter's horse and asked me if I could sell this horse and for them. And so I br I, they brought the horse to the barn and it's this great big white horse looked just like my old guy. And um, I started just riding him, training him to, to sell for them. And, but I, I fell in love with them and I was like, I think this is my horse. I don't think I'm going to sell him for you. I think I'm going to have to buy him. Um, but I didn't end up buying him. I ended up, they ended up, um, leasing him to me for a while. And then I did eventually sell him to move out to Seattle. And shortly after I moved out to Seattle, I had a uh, injury, a riding injury. And my trainer, when I was coming back into riding, she 
said, I have this horse for you. One of my clients is going off to college and her jumper is going to be here at the barn while she's in college. So you're going to lease him or, you know, use him to get back into riding. And the crazy thing is, is all, all three of those horses were like same age, all white. They were all partially sighted in their right eye. And then when I moved on to Vashon in my late 40s, all those horses had been retired. And um, lo and behold, somebody called me to say, well, we have this retiree from one of the therapeutic riding programs we want to send out to your farm. And um, he's, you know, he's still riding sound, but he just doesn't work for our program anymore. So uh, we, we want to send him to you. And when they brought him, of course, he's this big white horse. <laughs> and and as the woman's leaving, like she's tell, telling me all about his history and stuff. And and then as she leaves, she's like, oh, I forgot to mention, he's half blind in his right eye. And I said, nah, nah, -uh. <laughs> yeah, no and way. Of course, he is. <laughs> of course he is. Oh my God. I love it. No coincidences, right? No, no coincidences. And so like I say, I know they're, they're always coming. Like I, I know I won't ever be without a white horse. <laughs> And, and when, and that's how you know that it's your horse and you did the right thing by taking him. Yeah. And I often think like, okay, am I not learning the lesson because it keeps showing up this way? Like, is there something I'm supposed to be learning? But then I just enjoy it. So just go try with not yourself. to make too big a deal of it. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Uh, have you ever had a thought of what your life would be like if you didn't have horses in it? Well, I can't imagine it. Uh, especially the way they're in my life now, it's it's a different way, but they're completely my life. I mean, I wake up with them, I go to bed with them, um, but I can't imagine not having a horse. If I had to imagine life without horses, I think I would just travel a lot and try to, you know, see horses in other environments in other parts of the world you would travel and just go on riding trips like in africa mm -hmm. and yeah argentina argentina <laughs> I, yeah. I want to do the argentina ride so bad yeah i also want to go to spain and ride the vaquero horses wow so really you can't imagine your life i guess without i can't horses. <laughs> i guess to I me can't. to me the thought of not having horses would just be like devastating like, you know we have, um, I ride with the Woodbrook Hunt Club here outside of Seattle, and we have a family at the Hunt Club. They're like fourth generation riders. And the mother is in her late 80s, and she still comes out in hilltops, you know, on her old mare. And I just think, God, let me be that person. Just let me still be in the saddle in my, you know, later years in some form, whatever it is. Yeah, I am. Um... I knew of a, a gentleman, it was a, I never knew him personally, but of him, a story that a, a friend of mine who's actually 75 and still riding and can mount from the ground, she does not need a mounting block. And yeah. she always used to tell me about this horse trainer guy she knew that ended up with, um, you know, some health issues and the doctors told him he couldn't ride anymore and he ended up committing suicide he was just like i'd rather be dead this the thought of not riding was was that devastating to him so yeah um i know that's a sobering thought but it's yeah i i can't imagine it but yeah, i want I, but i want to be the one if i'm gonna live to be 80 i want to still be riding right yeah like, yeah 
I know it's always great to see the pictures of the queen when she's out for her ride every day. She still rides every day. Of course, I'm sure she gets a lot of help and she probably does use a mounting block, but <laughs> whatever, uh, as long as I'm there. But I also, I, I believe and I, and I know that that's part of why, you know, people still live to be that long, you know, old and still can ride. Mm -hmm. it, it, that's part of their longevity and that's part of them maintaining their health, you know, their physical, mental and spiritual health to be able to still ride. Right. Um, I know that your husband is not necessarily a horse person, but he, he supports your passion for horses, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely fortunate. What is that like for your relationship to be with a non-horse person per se? Well, uh, when, when we met, he was not familiar with horses. He had some friends with horses and he loved the whole romance of, of horses, you know, but um, he started out just coming and watching me at shows and really enjoyed watching and, and was a great supporter that way. But a little bit from a distance, you know, he, he would say that he just has a really healthy respect for the horses. And so he never felt the need to be on them, but he loves being around them. But um, of course now he is a fantastic horseman because uh, he's helped me run the farm and, and helped me with running the school for 12 years. So he has his own little quarter horse uh, trail horse and he loves taking care of the horses. He's learned so much and I, I rely on him because he's the first one to notice, even if he doesn't know what's wrong, he's the first thing, first one to notice when something on the farm just isn't quite right, you know, that a horse just isn't quite right. And he, he, they love him. They just gravitate to him because he is a very gentle spirit. And um, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch him with the horses because it, it reminds me like to be, to have that kind of fresh approach to horses, you know, having been with them my whole life, sometimes I do get a little complacent or I don't pay attention to a horse as closely as him, whereas he still is unfamiliar enough with them to um, to be really watchful and really observant. And sometimes he'll see the things about them that um, that I, I miss, just something silly that they're doing or he'll make a suggestion like, well, why don't we give them this kind of toy or something I'll be like because they'll hurt themselves <laughs> but then I'll think well maybe he's right maybe I should try that so um so I feel really really fortunate to have somebody that uh doesn't tell me how to do my horses but enjoys them with me so that's great that's awesome so what I'm really hearing you say is that you managed to convert him <laughs> yeah, I, guess so. I guess so not completely because you know there's the secret the side of me that would love it if you know, he just wanted to go riding with me every day, or if he wanted to, you know, I, we've always talked about doing ride and tie competitions together, but I, I know he probably would never really commit to it. But, um, but it, like this morning was a perfect example because we were down doing chores and he, it's a beautiful day. And he said, Hey, you want to go for a trail ride after work today? And I was like, yes. So it's a pleasant surprise when, when we do get to do those things together. Um, but yeah, it's also nice to have somebody whose whole life doesn't re revolve around horses, so he keeps me sensible in that way. Sure, sure. Uh, what, what, could you share a little bit like what you've learned about yourself from having horses in your life? Mm, well, definitely discipline. I mean, I definitely am not 
I don't see myself as a very disciplined person, but I am very disciplined about my horses um, and about their care and their routine. So I think that spills over into my life a, a bit, which is great. Uh, they've definitely taught me humility over and over and over again. So that's probably a good thing, good reason to keep them in my life. And um, I think over time, what was really hard for me to learn, but by being around horses, it's how I learned it, is learning to care about what others think, but not allowing myself to be defined by it. Because I think there's been times in my horse career, especially that I've let other people really steal my power um, because I wanted them to think I was a great horsewoman or a great rider, or I wanted to be like them. Um, but the horses really over time taught me that I am what they need when I'm with them, that I'm, I am good enough, uh, and that I don't have to allow others to define that in, in terms of my horse activities. Mm, that's a very good awareness. I'd like to acknowledge you for that. that Thank you. Great. It only took, only took 55 years. <laughs> it only took, well, it's a process, though. It's a process. Absolutely. Absolutely. You well, and, and again, I go back to, like, as a kid, I didn't care what people thought. Obviously, I didn't even care that my what my parents thought. I snuck out and <laughs> rode when they would have had me not. But it wasn't until I was, you know, competitive and probably like in my 20s and 30s where I really had competitive goals or I, I wanted to be a trainer. I wanted to be a professional. And, uh, you know, I just let others kind of be the ones to define what that looked like. And then finally I said, I, I'm, I can't live like that. Um, and I'm much happier now. Good for you. That's a little bit of a segue into my next series of questions in that, you know, like how have you, you know, adapted and changed as you age to be able to keep riding and, you know, how has it changed over the years and, you know, what do you want in a horse now compared to when you were in your 20s? Okay. Uh, wow. That's a lot of questions. Um, I know. I should, well, I, I should break it down. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'll tackle them one at a time. Well, I think probably the biggest thing I realized is when I was younger, I used to ride to stay fit. And now I have to be fit if I'm going to ride. So that's a change. Um, I also know now the way I spend that time with the horses it isn't just about the riding. I do a lot of groundwork with my horses. And then because I am a body worker, I incorporate some sort of massage, acupressure, fascial work into almost every time I ride my horses, I'm getting my hands on them either before or after. So, you know, when I was younger and when I was competing, I wasn't uncommon for me to ride six to eight horses a day. Um, now I would that would be unheard of for me but I might ride two or three a day and but I also spend a lot more time with them both on the ground and and in the saddle um, how how I spend that time is really different now because I trail ride and I go out in the hunt field and I do groundwork um, whereas in the past it was always about 
get in the ring, accomplish things, work on this movement, work on my, you know, jumping. Um, so it was a lot more specifically directed towards goals that I had for the show ring. Whereas now every day is different. It's just a little bit based on what does the horse want to do today. And that's been really fun to get to a point where I can let my horse define the session more than me having to put him through a you know, series of exercises. Not that we don't still have those days too. There are days when I'm really um, following a program and, and wanting to accomplish specific things. Um, what do I want in a horse now compared to my earlier years? Well, interestingly, you know, I spent a lot of time on the track when I was young. So when I first started my um, body working career, it was all track horses. And when I started riding in the hunters and jumpers, many of my horses were off track thoroughbreds. And I loved that. And I probably thoroughbreds appeal to me in a way that few other horses do. Um, but as I got older and, and was more competitive in the hunters jumpers, I was doing, you know, more warm bloods and more sport horse breeds and kind of got away from the thoroughbreds. And, and at, at some point in my life, I thought, okay, well, I'm kind of done with doing the off track thing. And then of course, what did I do last year? I bought an off track thoroughbred. So, <laughs> so uh, now I really look for a horse that's going to be sound and safe in the field. Cause I know I'm going to spend some of my time either in the hunt field or trail riding. Whereas in the past, you know, I was more concerned about their athleticism in the ring. And I look for, you know, something that's going to be appropriate for a, for a, a person my age. And, um, you know, I, I ride as an amateur now, so it's got to be an AMI-friendly horse. And I think this little thoroughbred that I picked up is all those things. He's, he's super curious and he's got all the great traits of a, a thoroughbred but like me he's a little bit older seasoned war horse so we're i'm looking forward to the next year of bringing him along for the retired racehorse project and see again see what he wants to do and see if we can can get ready and be competitive in kentucky next year that's really cool that you're doing that i think you're very brave i feel like mm -hmm. i'm t i'm too old to do that now <laughs> I, I have little doubt that he and I will probably be the oldest team there. So um, maybe that'll be our our call to glory is like having been old enough to and still able. That's cool. And I, and I always think that like, you know, I have a huge Arabian background and I always think that Arabs aren't for everybody, you know, <laughs> just like thoroughbreds aren't for everybody, but you know what you like. You know, yeah, I I don't have any purebreds anymore, but I ended up like with half Arabs now. Like you just yeah. keep going back to what you like. Although I don't know how I ended up with a quarter horse in my barn. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell myself, but when he's in his twenties, I'll be in my seventies, so it'll probably be a good match. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I I mean we have a little quarter horse Welsh cross mare. She's just under fifteen hands and. She's phenomenal. I mean, I, I love the quarter horse about her. She's She carries my husband and is a total babysitter. And then I take her in the hunt field and she's really game and totally fun that way. So I think everyone should have a quarter horse in their backyard. <laughs> I love that you have a Welsh cross. That's really cool. Yeah. You don't find that very often. No, and she was a rescue. So we just got really fortunate um, that she came our way. She She had a tough go of it when she was younger, but now she's really nice, sensible horse. 
Well, good thing she ended up in your barn, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess it's fair to say that your, you know, your goals have changed since you were in your 20s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just with my career path, it changed from being, you know, a rider, trainer, competitive, uh, to being more uh, in the body worker role and management role, just managing the health and, and caring for the horses that way. Uh, and and I, I think that that was the perfect choice for me because I still feel connected to the show community. I still work on a lot of show horses. My clients are, you know, in the shows and of course not this year, but a few, but um, it, it feels good to still be connected to that, but not necessarily feel the need to go through the in-gate myself. Um, so I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate to have a career that allows me to still participate in the sport I love and, and be able to be around horses in motion all the time. I know like when I was in my twenties and I, you know, would take real pride in myself that I knew how to do all my own vaccinations and do IV mm -hmm. shots and, you know, all this stuff. Cause that's all I knew. That's all I was taught, you know, mm -hmm. and now as I'm older and I have more experience and wisdom about preventative care and holistic approaches and natural approaches to taking care of them. Like that's, been a huge change for me that you know I never would have thought of 20 some years ago yeah you know uh several years back I took a course uh through Dr. Madeline Ward she does a horse temperament typing class mm -hmm. and it's all based on the five elements and how the horses reflect the elemental um traits mm -hmm. and it, it just totally revolutionized my management, my horse management, because prior to that, it was all based on, you know, having been a barn manager and having been a groom and having been a vet tech and how I set my barn up was all very traditional approaches to mm -hmm. management and care. And then I took that course and I was like, wow, I had to go just revamp everything. Everybody's diet got to overhaul. Everybody's exercise routine got to overhaul. Just, you know, how to appeal to them at, as individuals completely changed after that. And, and also how I ride them. So that was one of the turning points for me that uh, I'm really grateful for having been introduced to her and her work. Right. And I bet you've seen a huge difference in your horses and for the better, right? Oh, absolutely. And especially because now running a retirement facility, a lot of the horses that come to us are already older and they either, you know, have Cushing's or like I have a PSSM type two horse and uh, we have a horse here who has advanced DSLD and lymphedema. And so they require a lot of care. I mean, I actually probably spend more time caring for my retirees than I did for my horses when we were competing, you know, in modified jumpers and things like that. Uh, just because each of them has such unique needs and being able to have the knowledge or be able to have access to the information to care for them in a more holistic, natural way and still be able to Obviously, some of them need medications and need regular veterinary care or corrective shoeing, but it's also really nice to give, have the option of feeding them in a natural way and designing their exercise program with a really kind of holistic view. Yeah, and I look at it as 
we we do need our vets sometimes like you, you know like but it's about taking an integrative approach so many times people are like you know all or nothing or one way or the other but if we open our minds about you know all the different approaches and each horse is an individual like you said and needs individual things like the integrative approach is is how i like to look at it but um that's a whole nother topic <laughs> But I think it's how I, I think we, you know, we, as we change and evolve our, our horse, horsemanship and horse care ways as we get older, because we learn this stuff, you know, I didn't, and we have more access to information now than we did Absolutely. before. Mm -hmm. So, okay. well, and also I think now people aren't just following the advice of one trainer or one person that they ride with they're also reading more books and taking clinics and watching things online and you know hearing different voices and different things about horsemanship that they maybe at least in my industry and in, in, in the hunter jumper industry a lot of times people can be pretty removed from their horses day-to-day -day management that's all taken care of by the trainer and, and the staff at the barn they ride at and they focus on their riding which is perfectly fine that's great um, but I, I, I love it when I see my own clients taking a much greater interest in the nutrition of their horse or the farrier work and just wanting to know more about what goes into their care and management and not just um, enjoying them solely for the purpose of riding. Yeah, and that's why I work with lifestyle horse women. Like, yeah. You know, people who are just hardcore on, you know, hands on and everything they do because that's what I do and I can't imagine not because I've had horses in boarding situations and this it usually ends up costing me a lot in vet bills because they're not you know doing things the way they I think they should be done and they're they don't care they're not paying the vet bills right when I have my yeah. horses at home and I can free feed them you know grass hay and and I don't have the colics and stuff like I did at boarding facilities that said two flakes ahead at 8 a.m. and two flakes ahead at 4 p.m. All right. Such an outdated uh, thought, but it's still prevalent, I know. I mean, I'm very grateful for the fact that when I had my show horse at a boarding facility, it gave me the opportunity like to, to develop the school when I, when I was just starting with the school and I had my practice as well. Um, I couldn't have managed my horses on my own. So it was fantastic to have them at a boarding facility where I knew everything was taken care of. And when I go there, they would just be, you know, not ready for me. I mean, I still groomed them and everything, but, you know, to have the option of saying, hey, I, I'm going to be gone or I'm going to be teaching for three days and have a trainer there that was going to ride or other assistant riders that would, you know, keep my horses fit for me when I was, was busy that was fabulous and i'm really grateful to have had that opportunity too and to just really focus on my riding like when i went there it was just about riding um but now having my horses at home and being responsible for every aspect of their life it's a, a much more rewarding time for me in my life it's just a different time so i'm sure that there's it's appropriate for people at different times and thank God for those trainers and grooms and staff that do manage those big facilities. Um, I just probably couldn't see myself back in that, that format at this point. Yeah. And I always tell myself, I'm like, well, I, 
when I was younger, I must have had more energy because I think I rode more and I did more of this and I did more of that. I'm like, oh, wait, I wasn't feeding and cleaning <laughs> myself. Cleaning I was, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> maybe that's why. But at the yeah. same token, I don't think I would change it. I don't, I don't mind cleaning poop. I just, oh, no. That's as long as my uh, walking meditation, right? Right. As long as the weather's decent. I have, yeah. I have limitations when it comes to weather. But. And I'm fortunate. I do have help. So I, I don't do all my chores, needless to say, uh, between my husband and uh, our staff. I'm fortunate enough to just do what I want to do. But uh, I still love the days that I get to go in and muck stalls and change water buckets and scrub troughs. And, and that's all part of it, too. That, like you say, it's a lifestyle. And I have as much joy just being out walking the fence lines and making sure everybody's happy and healthy and playing with the goats and turning horses out. That's to me as pleasurable as, as the riding part too. Exactly. So uh, my next question is kind of a little more in depth and it's around um, more about your lived experiences with horses. This is around um, a phenomenological study that I am interested mm, in. Mm -hmm. And so bear with me here. I, I'm looking for an example of a time in your life when some aspect of your everyday life was affected by your horses, you know, whether that be family, school, personal relationships, social life, work, travel, you know, you get the idea, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if you can describe this experience, like, in what way did it affect you? And if you need an example, I can give you an example. Yeah, I, I, an example would be great, although I think I know the gist of what you're asking. But Well, I can just say, for example, like I, I've had, you know, family members not supportive of my horse mm -hmm. lifestyle, and it was not a pleasant experience. You know, it really okay. did affect me. So, but I'm looking for something a little deeper than that, because this is about you, not me, but you, yeah, get, yeah. you get the idea. Well, I mean, definitely my uh, relationships in terms of my my marriage, my, my first marriage and my second marriage, um, the horses really were a problem uh, in my first marriage. And the time I spent with them and the just how I dedicated resources to my horses didn't sit well in that relationship. And my, uh, my husband was very much into travel and that's where he wanted us to be spending our time and, and money. And um, that didn't sit well with me when I was wanting to be at horse shows. So not that that led to the demise of the marriage, but it certainly didn't help it. <laughs> and it was really stressful for me to be like, here's this thing I love that you're trying to limit. I wouldn't do that to you. You know, if it was, if you were as passionate about something in your life as I am about my horses, I couldn't imagine trying to take that away from somebody or limit it. Um, and so it also really influenced my choice the next time around that if somebody else was going to be in my life, they really had to share my passion for animals, even if they didn't do it in the same way I did, or it wasn't reflected in the same way they had to really want to nurture that aspect of my life and make room for it. And so I was really fortunate when I found uh, Armando, my current husband, and he was um, 
you know, loves dogs, dogs love him, was very keen on the idea of like living in the country, having a farm and helping with that. So um, I think that's what you're looking for. <laughs> so well, there's it, no, no right or wrong, but it, it's about, you know, the lived experience around it. And I think also the point is, is that your first husband's no longer with you. <laughs> like you said, it wasn't maybe just about the horses, but when it came down to it, the horses won, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, when you make your those big life choices, you think, well, I can work around it in order to be with this person or have this job or be in this space. But um, if you're giving up something or you're, you're having to apologize for doing the thing that you love, then it's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. Do you believe that your experience with your life with horses differs from people that don't have a horse lifestyle? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure they have, I'm sure people have other things in their lives that they're passionate about that are not horse related or animal related that they get the same satisfaction from. Although I would have to say that, you know, when you're, when your passion is around another living being, it makes you develop skills and aspects of yourself that um, you, you might not otherwise, like if I was into race cars, I don't think I would have the same need for empathy and I wouldn't have to, you know, include what does my horse want to do today? What makes my horse joyful? What, what is, feels rewarding to him or to her? You know, I wouldn't have that if I was mountain climbing or, or doing some other um, passion. So I think, what horses do for me that I think is, is unique because I have been, you know, I have done other things in my life that I was passionate about in a different way. I mean, I, I was a triathlete for a little, very brief moment in history. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about education. Uh, uh, I've been, was a runner for many, many years, but nothing on the level of horses I think horses and living the horse lifestyle is reflected not just in my time with horses, you know, it reflects like the purchases I make and uh, the, the way I think about the environment. Like I'm very, I'm very aware that my horses re require a lot of resources and that they are there. I am at odds sometimes with my feelings about protecting the environment and taking, you know, taking care of the planet that doesn't always jive with being a horse owner and i'm probably getting off the 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 point here but i think mm -mm. No, it, keep it, going every aspect of my lifestyle i have to think about like okay can i take this time to develop relationships outside of my horse world because any time i take away from the horses you know is feels like a loss to me um, and how do I make decisions about my purchasing and, and um, what I do in my free time, because that is, that then means like, maybe I'm not purchasing something for my horses, or I'm not, you know, taking care of um, the, 
I don't know where I was going with that necessarily, but um, I do think like, like I like to spend a lot of my time writing, but, and I do often feel that pull about like, well, I'm not writing because I, I want to be with my horses. Um, I can write about my horses and that feels like that joins those two things together. Um, but yeah, I think having, having the horse lifestyle has probably limited some of my opportunities to do other things because I make the choice to, to, to do, spend my time and my money with my horses. Uh, but I'm sure that would be true for anybody about their passion. Um, I don't know. I, I always think of horses as keeping me grounded in flight. Like when I'm, when I'm jumping, that's what I always think. Like I, I never feel like I have my feet as securely on the ground as when I'm on the top of a jump. Mm. You kind of covered the second part of this question about, you know, do you consider this a, a good thing or a bad thing? And I, I feel like I asked that because like I said, I've, I've been criticized for my horse lifestyle. Um, but you just, I think you just explained it to us. There's pros and cons, right? Yeah. You're, it goes back to like the choices, like you're constantly having to make choices. This might be good for my horse, but not good for my land, or this might be good for my, you know, ability to go out and, and trail ride. But, and, and I am very concerned about like stewarding the land and the fact that we have less and less land mass all the time and less opportunities for going trail riding or, or, you know, across large tracts of land or even just the amount of land that is required to properly care for a horse and the fact that many horses can't have access to the kind of turnout and stuff that would be suitable for them just because we don't have those kind of you know land mass or you can't afford to have the kind of land you'd like for your horses so there's lots of choice that goes into it and it's a, it is a good and a bad thing in some ways we had this discussion with a friend of mine and I about just the, um, the, the amount of petroleum that it takes to have a horse. <laughs> like you don't think of that on a daily basis, but like there's a lot, uh, a lot that goes into trailering your horse places or just having the equipment that you have on the farm that is really heavy in, in terms of oil um, use. And so I, we really try to limit that on our farm as well yeah that's a whole nother topic right yeah, yeah <laughs> but if so... you said to me like okay well you have a choice you can save the environment or you can have your horse i'd be hard pressed to to choose it would yeah it would be hard. <laughs> i'd have my horse i mean i know i'd have my horse but <laughs> well i think that's where it's about creating some balance like mm -hmm. you know I'm going to have my horses and we have to have tractors and trucks and trailers, but maybe we'd only go to six shows this year instead of 12 or, yeah. you know, or, and how you manage your property and dispose of your manure and things like that. Right. There's, there's yeah. a lot of things you can still do better. Right. Always. Yeah. Do you have any regrets about your passion in your life with horses? I don't have any, I, I wouldn't do anything differently. I wouldn't change anything about my life with horses because if I did, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I do feel like very satisfied with 
how I serve the horses that I have in my life right now and how I'm living my life uh, with horses. But I, I would say if I had to say that I had any regret, it would be, as I mentioned before, the power that I gave others early on that actually was a wedge between me and my horses in some cases and that I didn't have the wherewithal at that point to say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm just, I, I know this is a podcast, but I'm just sitting mm-hmm. here shaking my head and agreeing with you. <laughs> Good yeah, stuff, Miss Lola. Good stuff. Uh, I guess that's a common experience with horse people. I think at some point we probably have all done that out of admiration for somebody or out of just really wanting to be at a certain level with our horsemanship and, and trying to emulate that. And um, I think there are aspects of the horse industry where there are people who, who lord that over others, um, maybe out of some lack of confidence of their own in, in terms of their horsemanship. And uh, I, feel, I feel sorry for if people fall prey to that like I did for a while. But the important thing is, is that you woke up Right. Oh, yeah. And it, I learned lessons from it. I mean, I definitely learned from it. So and there's a lot of people that just go through life and they don't, they don't evolve or grow or change or, or learn from it. So, you know, pat yourself on the back for, <laughs> right. Learning oh, yeah. from it. I, I mean, I have clients who I've had for, for decades who, who are still in that position, you know, and they are my age, but they haven't had the opportunity to kind of shake that off yet. So to sum everything up, I just want to ask, is there anything else you want to share with me about your life experience with horses? Um, well, I, th- I, think, I think horses are taking a different place in our society now. I think as our world evolves, the role of horses, it's been really fun to see how many different disciplines just in the years that I've been involved with horses that people are doing lots of more creative things with but there's so many people now doing things with their horses that don't involve riding you know liberty work or um, emotional healing and uh, I love seeing that and I'm just glad to have been alive at a time across my horse career to see that and to see how people are communing with horses. I hope to continue exploring all those different things. I'm glad to be at a point where I'm not so focused on one discipline that I am enjoying dabbling in lots of different disciplines. My One of my goals right now is to learn a little bit of Garoucha and and try that out. Um, And I'm also excited to maybe do more writing about my experience with horses and and, um, bring those two things together. So I guess that's it. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for showing up today and thank you being a part of this. If anybody wants to find out more about the Northwest School of Animals Massage or Horse World Connect, where can they find you? 
So the school um, website is nwsam.com, Northwest School of Animal Massage. We love to talk to people about massage, acupressure, aromatherapy, a lot of the other classes that we have. So um, you can visit the website or uh, call the office to speak with someone there. And Horse World Connect is online at horseworldconnect.com or on Facebook. Uh, we have our club page and our Horse World Connect page, and we love connecting horse people with horse businesses and services. So if you're looking for something to help um, improve your relationship with horses, please check out Horse World Connect, and we'll put you together with people that have lots of great business products and services, including people like Dr. Maynard with her personal development programs and circle. Do you want to give your phone number for the, the school while we oh, have sure. you on here? Um, so the toll-free number for the school is 877-836-3703. Perfect. Um, I just want to mention that to the listeners, because I had somebody say I should just leave it in and not edit it out. The crying in the background is not somebody abusing my child. <laughs> that is my cat. His name is Cinnamon Benjamin Brookstein. And yes, he is that much cat that he needs a first, middle, and last name. So Cinnamon has been in the last couple podcasts, and I can't tell you how many I have re-recorded because he was crying in the background, and I've, I've given up. I'm just letting everybody know that is cinnamon and um he's just kind of needy so thank you all for listening if um if it's okay i'm going to throw a little pup plug for ConsciousHoofBeat.com for uh, empowered lifestyle horsewomen looking for personal development self-care and mindfulness and uh, I teach inner health practices because if you can't show up for yourself, you can't show up for your horse. So mm. thank you again. And until next time, enjoy your horse.